Welcome to the GoTo Podcast. Each episode covers the brightest and boldest ideas from the world's leading experts in software development. Tune in for practical lessons, compelling theories, and plenty of inspiration. GoTo gathers the brightest minds in the software community to help developers tackle projects today, plan for tomorrow, and create a better future. Stay up to date with the latest in tech through GoTo's top-rated events held online and in person in cities like Amsterdam, London, Copenhagen, and Chicago, and by subscribing to the GoTo Conference's YouTube channel, where you can find thousands more high-quality dev talks. Learn more at gotopia.tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the GoTo Book Club. My name's Guy Harrison. Uh, I'm a database author and professional, and over the past year, I've had the pleasure of working with um, Ben um, and Jesse on the CockroachDB Definitive Guidebook by O'Reilly. It's available for pre-order as we record this and should be available for purchase in um, April. And today, I've got the pleasure of um, interviewing um, Ben Darnell, the CTO and founder of Cockroach Labs, I guess co-founder to be strictly accurate. Um, and we're just going to talk about CockroachDB, a little bit about the book, and um, uh, just give you a, a bit of a teaser of um, um, what CockroachDB is about and um, why you might want to buy the book. So, um, Ben, um, hi. Good to see you, as hi. always. Um, ben, Ben's, in New, Ben's in New York, by the way, and I'm in Melbourne, Australia, so this is a, an international call. Um, <clears throat> so, Ben, um, why don't we start with a, a bit of a life story from you, Um you uh, just let us know, you know, how you got into the industry and um, what you've been doing up, um, you know, before um, founding CockroachDB? Sure. So I, I started my career about uh, 20 years ago now um, at, uh, at Google, um, and that's also where I happened to meet uh, Spencer Kimball and Peter Mattis, who would uh, who would go on 15 years later to be my co-founders at, uh, at CockroachDB. Um, but anyway, at, uh, at Google, I worked a lot on uh, different sorts of infrastructure projects, um, including um, writing an ORM for Google's uh, sharded database that powered their uh, their advertising system at the time. Um, and then I spent a good chunk of my time there on on Google Reader, where I was on the founding team and uh, built the original uh, the original backend for that system. Um, I left Google in 2009 and uh, went on to a number of startups, including uh, FriendFeed, which was acquired by Facebook. Um, and then uh, Brizzly, uh, Dropbox, uh, a little startup called Viewfinder, um, where I got back together with Spencer and Peter. Um, and then that, uh, that startup got, uh, got acquired by, uh, by Square. Um, and so through, uh, through all of those, uh, all those different companies um, that I named, um, you know, they, all had, they all had one, uh, one thing in common, which was that they were all using uh, sharded MySQL as their main, uh, as one of their primary uh, data stores. And so I got to see, you know, how all the, the limitations of, of that approach, um, and uh, as did uh, Spencer and Peter. And um, and so actually, while we were building Viewfinder, uh, we were we found ourselves kind of dissatisfied with all of the uh, database options that we were that we were seeing out there, having been kind of spoiled by Google's uh, GFS, uh, Google File System, and Bigtable, and other highly uh, highly scale, scalable and automated uh, storage database data storage systems. And so we. Uh, we kind of were kicking around this idea for uh, for something that Spencer decided to call cockroach um, that would be a a scalable and uh, and indestructible uh, data store. 
Um, and we didn't we didn't start work on it then because we had our, our hands full building our building what we hoped was going to be the next big uh, mobile photo sharing app. Um, but when that didn't pan out and we uh, and we found ourselves at uh, at Square facing a lot of the same difficulties around uh, around sharded databases, um, we decided that it was time to uh, time to dust off that uh, that old design document and actually uh, and actually build it and uh, subsequently uh, build uh, build a company around it and uh, and bring it to the to the market. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's not the first time I've heard um, someone say they were building an application and um, realized they needed a better database and in the end sort of pivoted around to um, making the database the product, not the application. In fact, that's MongoDB's story in a way, not that we sort of necessarily love MongoDB at CockroachDB, but they also were building a sort of a platform and then um, decided that they they would spin off the database side of it. And, and by the way, Ben, I'm going to mention this to you, but I was an avid Google reader um, user I, I almost cried when it was deprecated every day I'd, I'd use google reader to keep up with things and uh that was a sad day for me but people won't remember that now but this is an rss reader that was sort of collating everything from the web that you might want to sort of be interested in um even pre-twitter i guess it was right it was a uh yeah 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 google reader launched in 2005 um and twitter wasn't for a couple of years after so yeah, yeah, no. Re- reader, uh, yeah, you know, re- reader never had the, uh, the the scale of of fan base to really uh, to, to really hold the attention of a behemoth like Google, but it, it does have its uh, its very devoted fans, and I, uh, I I do hear from time to time, even today, about people that uh, that, that miss it now that it's gone. Yeah. So um, so you were saying that at Google, um, obviously Google pioneered a lot of stuff. Um, uh, that led to open source and other um, database products. So Hadoop sort of like fl- flowed out of some um, work at Google. Um, but you, you were you were sort of inspired more by Google's um, Spanner database. That's um, was that was it called Spanner at the time, or were we talking about something sort of pre-Spanner? That, that's right. So um, I want to distinguish um, what I actually used at Google was uh, was Bigtable. Um, and then after after I or at the, towards the end of my time at Google, they were starting up this new project called Spanner. Um, and then um, you know in, in 2012 they uh, they published a paper about uh, about a lot of the details of uh, of Spanner, and that uh, that that really became a, a big inspiration for CockroachDB. So in Spanner, um, you see this. Uh, yeah, you see a lot of the same design elements around using um, data that's been broken up into uh, into different segments and doing distributed transactions across those uh, across those segments to give you a very high level of, of uh, consistency in a in a very broad, broadly distributed system. Um, and then um, you know subsequent additions to uh, to Spanner added SQL capabilities, and um, and that has. That, that, that was kind of our first uh, our first guiding light as we were as we were building um, building uh, CockroachDB was trying to build uh, Spanner for the uh, for the rest of the the rest of the world. Yeah, <clears throat> and correct me if you think I'm wrong about this, but really the the sort of the the key um, idea behind Spanner was um, that it was possible to to keep consistency in a distributed system up uh, sort of around about 2008 2009. There were a lot of databases that threw consistency away. And so we got the term eventual consistency. It was just too difficult to maintain everything in sync in a sort of like an always up globally distributed network like the internet. And so Amazon pioneered Dynamo and Dynamo sort of like concepts from Dynamo came into a lot of databases like Cassandra. And the idea was you just, it doesn't matter if things aren't right, you know, as long as they're fast and available. Um, and Spanner, um, I guess the Google sort of rebuttal to that was we'll just make it 
so available that it won't really matter. You know, yes, it still technically might fall over um, in order to preserve consistency, but we'll make that so unlikely that no one will care. Do you think that's a fair sort of summary of what the the idea was? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think um, you, know, you know, looking at another. Another couple of, uh, of Google storage systems, you know, Bigtable, which I've already mentioned, was an eventually consistent system. And uh, what uh, one thing that a lot of teams at Google found is that, you know, actually sometimes you do need a high level of consistency. And so there was a kind of an add-on called Megastore that ran on top of Bigtable and then gave you transactions. But because it was this layer on top, it was really uh, it was really pretty inefficient, and it was, uh, you, you know, just. You know, it was something that you had to, you know, really think about whether it was going to be worth it uh, to use it. Um, but uh, when Spanner came along, I think the the key the, the key thing um, I think for for Spanner and for CockroachDB um, that uh, that they, both of these products bring to the table is the idea that if you um, if you embrace the need for the, the strong consistency and distributed transactions from the beginning and build them directly into the database, you can do a much better job on it than if you start with uh, with an eventually consistent system and then try to bolt on some uh, some sort of lightweight transaction mechanism on top of it, as a lot of the uh, as a lot of the uh, you know recent non-SQL systems. Have have, have been have been learning, um, and so um, speaking for CockroachDB, we have um, you know we have our full uh, distributed transaction um, implementation providing serializable isolation, um, you know that is uh, that is competitive with the uh, with the uh, read committed um, isolation levels that you see in a lot of other in a lot of other products because we because we you know really made that a a key uh, a key design goal was to make the the best in class um, consistency and isolation and uh, and other transactional properties. Um, we made that a priority from the beginning. So, so when you kicked off in two thousand and sixteen, is it fair to say that no one was offering a a, um, a distributed sort of consistent database? Um, you know, other than than inside of Google, were you sort of like unique at that point? Uh, we, we were not totally unique. I think the uh, the, the closest uh, the, the closest uh, kind of peer competitor to what we were trying to do at the time was uh, was Foundation DB, um, and so in uh, I believe in 2017, um, Apple did us uh, did us a huge favor by acquiring Foundation DB. Which uh, you know both gave us uh, gave the idea that we were pursuing a lot of credibility because it showed that uh, that the uh, that this kind of distributed transactional database was uh, was a really valuable thing, but that and so they gave us a lot of cre- gave us a lot of credibility for that and removed uh, removed what uh, could have been one of our bigger competitors from the market. So um, you know thanks thanks Apple for uh, for, for that little uh, that little move. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. It's a lot of there's a lot of luck in in um, software startups, right? You can sort of um, you can be completely right, but in the wrong time, or you know, some little some little event like that will will remove a barrier that otherwise might have <clears throat> got in your way. Um, I, I, you know, I can't imagine um, how ambitious you need to be to launch a database company. You know, given uh, products like Oracle have been around for oh, 40 years, more than that, really. It's, Oracle's probably up, coming up to its 50th anniversary of version one or something like that. Is that right? Yes, it is. It's, um, no, 78, maybe. Anyway, long time, right? And they've got layers yeah, and layers and layers. 78 is, uh, it is uh, 40, uh, 44 years from now. So yeah, get, getting, yeah. Co- getting close. Um, <laughs> um, and, um, uh, so, you know, but you guys sort of seem to hit the ground running, I guess. Is that, um, 
um, is that because you started with a sort of a simple concept and, and then sort of laid your way to where you are now? Or, um, you know, you can't come out of the gate running with all the features that you need. So um, how difficult was it to sort of, you know, launch and, and get early adoption and so forth? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, databases are hugely complex products. Um, the uh, the incumbents in the marketplace have had decades of, uh, of experience uh, building and refining their uh, their systems. Um, people have really high expectations, um, especially when you're aiming to be kind of a transactional and operational database um, that's really in the most mission critical parts of your system. So it's uh, it's been a difficult, uh, d- difficult hill to climb. Um, but I think that, you know, from the beginning, we can offer, um, we were able to offer some, uh, some compelling and, and unique features, um, uh, you, you know, from the, uh, the, the kind of self-healing and, uh, and hands-off administrative uh, capabilities that we offer um, to, uh, you know, the ability to run in a, in a geographically distributed fashion, which is really, uh, really one of our more unique, uh, unique capabilities. The history of the uh, of the NoSQL databases. Um, they showed that you can strip your feature set way down and still get something that uh, that a lot of people will be able to uh, to, to to make use of. Um, you know, so we, we uh, you know so, so we, early on we just had to be very transparent about what our limitations were. Um, early versions of CockroachDB, for example, um, had warnings in the documentation about how about how you probably shouldn't use joins, um, which are a core capability of uh, of SQL. Um, but because you know early on we didn't have an optimizer that was able to uh, to execute uh, uh, execute joins efficiently, and so um, you know, we had to warn people to stay away from them when uh, when performance matters. But um, you know that's that's something that that's something that you can live with. It's not ideal, but uh, if you value the other parts of the product enough, um, then uh, you know it's something you can uh, you can live with and work around. And, and NoSQL showed that because most of the NoSQL systems uh, didn't have uh, didn't have uh, anything like joins, at least not at first. And you can still can still work with those. Um, so you know what's the uh, the product management adage? If you if you're not embarrassed by your uh, by your version one, you ship too late. Uh, yeah. You know you just have to just have to ship something uh, something basic that uh, you know ticks all the boxes for one for, for one type of user um, and then expand from there. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. So in a way, if you tried to launch um, before the NoSQL databases had come out, you might have been laughed out of town, but. Um, when you launch and you're comparing yourself against, I guess in 2016, MongoDB had no joins and Cassandra still doesn't have joins. And so you're sort of, you know, you're in a position where you can, um, well, which is what you did. You basically started out as a NoSQL, uh, you know, it's related, you didn't have a SQL language implementation. So you were able to sort of, um, sort of grow into that niche. Whereas I think prior to, Prior to the sort of 2010s, um, you really had to have a complete SQL implementation from the beginning to, to get any adoption. But anyway, we're sort of like, we're dwelling a bit on ancient history, you know, five years later. Um, CockroachDB has an absolutely complete SQL implementation. In fact, it's, um, it's uh, as feature complete as, as any database I've um, worked with. You know, there's no sort of obvious gaps in what you can do with it, um, and you guys are powering along um, with adoption, um, you know. And I think, uh, you know, I'm not a member of the Cockroach DB company, um, but you, you, I think your most um, outside observers would admit Cockroach DB is one of the leading database innovators, anyway, um, uh, around today. 
Um, so, you know, when we look at CockroachDB today, um, a distributed um, SQL-based uh, operational database with very high availability um, and um, uh, complete SQL language implementation, uh, what, what do you think... Um, when do you think developers, um, when they're when they're starting, when do you think they should be thinking this is a job for CockroachDB versus, I don't know, this is a job for uh, Postgres, for instance? What, what is there? Is there some class of application that you're particularly focused on, or do you feel like it's a general purpose database that can be used for anything? So my, my my engineering answer is that it's a general purpose database that can be used for anything, but I know that that's not a very not a very useful answer to a lot of people. So, um, you know, talk about some of uh, some of the uh, types of customers that we have the most uh, the most success with. Um, I think uh, you know our emphasis on strong consistency uh, makes us uh, kind of a natural fit for uh, financial services. Um, anything where uh, data inconsistencies can um, can have uh, can have real uh, real uh, financial uh, financial effects. Um, but what we see, especially um, because you know banks and other other big financial services are very heavily regulated, they're very risk averse, they're very slow to adopt uh, adopt new technologies. Um, but what we see is actually very strong adoption in kind of adjacent fields. Um, one area that has been a surprise for us has been in uh, in the space of uh, of gambling applications, um, which is uh, you know it's a uh, it was it, it makes sense when you think about it because what. Uh, you know what a gambling application does is uh, is broadly very similar to um, a lot of things that a uh, that that, that a, a a bank would have to do in the sense that it's maintaining ledgers and uh, and moving money from uh, from one account to another. Um, everything you know is very is very important um, in terms of getting uh, getting all the all the bits of data right and not having money uh, disappear or appear out of thin air. Um, but um, they're regulated. They, they are regulated uh, very heavily, but they're regulated in a very different way. Um, you know that with uh, with banks, they're regulated uh, to be very uh, very risk averse. Um, so that you know, if you're if you're a bank, you basically you know can't ever go down um, because that's uh, that's obviously very bad for uh, for your customers. Um, the regulations around uh, around gambling are much less risk averse in that sense. Um, there's still regulations around uh, around data uh, you know data accuracy and uh, and that sort of thing, but. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's in some ways it's a it's a looser environment, and so we've been able to get a get get kind of a foot in the door in this uh, in this industry and use it to kind of hone the features of the product that uh, that are appealing and necessary to um, to, to banking and other uh, kind of you know big uh, bigger name uh, financial uh, applications and, and companies, and so that's been a, a really interesting um, pathway that we kind of that we kind of you know stumbled across this. Um, this uh, segment of the industry, and uh, and it's been um, been been very fruitful for us. Well, yeah, that's 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 great. What, what about general web apps? Are people using CockroachDB um, uh, just as a general purpose database? If I'm if I'm building a sort of like a, a, a web application. Um, I can I can pretty much build it on anything nowadays. And what we haven't mentioned for those who don't know CockroachDB is it's Postgres um, wire protocol compatible, which means that you can use all of the Postgres drivers. Um, there's no sort of like um, uh, specific CockroachDB um, application stack that you need to use. It's broadly compatible with a lot of um, stacks that are 
um, that, that support PostgreSQL. So, you, you know, it's it's pretty easy to use. You know, I can just install it on my laptop or I can get a cloud service and I can start building apps on it um, just as I could with, you know, Postgres itself or MongoDB or MySQL or what have you. Um, do do is there any sort of like reason not to use Cockroach as a sort of like in, in those scenarios? Um, it's got a lot of features, but are those features holding you back when you just want a sort of like a simple database service that supports SQL? No, I, I think that uh, yeah, one of the one of the great things about Cockroach is that it's a it's a database that can be uh, can be a good fit for you on day one and can scale out with you even as you uh, even as your application or business expands uh, expands worldwide. So um, you know, I think from from day one, you can uh, you know setting up Cockroach DB can be a lot easier than setting up. Um, you know, it's not, it may not be as easy as just uh, doing an app get install Postgres to get uh, to get a basic single node Postgres uh, server running. But by the time you add in um, replication and backups and uh, and all the sorts of things that you need to do to make a to make a Postgres instance really production ready. Um, a lot of those things are very uh, are, are a lot simpler um, when you're dealing with uh, with CockroachDB because we have um, replication built in as a uh, as a core first class concept and you can you know do uh, do auto scaling and uh, and rebalancing and, and things like that automatically. So even from uh, even from the very beginning, it can it can simplify your operations. Um, we, you know we don't we don't scale down quite uh, you know quite as small on on minimal levels of of hardware um, as uh, as a lot of the uh, Kind of traditional monolithic uh, databases do, um, and we're certainly not competing in the same space as uh, as SQLite or something like that. Um, but uh, when you look at our, at our uh, cloud offering with CockroachDB Serverless, it can be uh, an incredibly affordable way to go, even for very small applications. Uh, CockroachDB Serverless gives uh, has a fairly generous uh, free tier um, where you can get uh, get a cluster set up uh, set up for free and just start using it. And then we also have, uh, and and then uh, once you exceed the limits of that uh, of that free tier, um, you know you just put in your credit card number and get uh, and get billed based on your based on your actual usage, and so that can be a very a very affordable option in comparison to a lot of uh, a lot of options that would have you running a uh, a dedicated uh, virtual machine twenty four seven, and paying for those uh, for those costs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm building an application now um, that um, it started off using MongoDB as the back end, but after right, you know, working on the book with you, I thought I might as well just try serverless CockroachDB. And honestly, this, you know, it took, uh, it was the least complicated thing about setting up the environment for the application. I just had to sign up, um, you know, download a, a certificate and connect to the, to the server. And um, I, I don't even notice that it's, um, I don't, I don't notice the database. I just, you know, I send SQL requests and I get data back and I don't have to worry too much about um, all of the complexities that we've been talking about. But I know that if I need it to scale globally, that I'm in a position to do so. And um, and I think, you know, also when you're thinking about cloud, cloud databases, um, uh, a lot of the latency is going to be in the um, the network anyway. So you might have a back a database at the back end in the cloud that's sort of like got a little bit of extra overhead because it's doing so much more in terms of replication and availability and so forth. But you, it's going to be sort of like minimal compared with the amount of time it takes to get data across the network. And so you're not going to notice it. Um, at least that's been my experience. It's um, it's performed great. Um. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So the 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 move to cloud, I guess, um, when you guys started, like most vendors five years ago, your offering was on prem. 
Um, now um, there are sort of two flavors of cloud offering. Do you want to talk a little bit about the cloud strategy at Cockroach TV? Sure. So uh, first, just to, to lay out uh, lay out the product uh, lineup explicitly, um, we have uh, we have four. There's four basic ways to uh, to get uh, to get CockroachDB. Um, first is CockroachDB Core, which is um, essentially our open source um, edition, um, in which you uh, d- download uh, you can download the source code or the binary and just uh, and just run it yourself. Um, and this uh, th- th- this is always uh, always free. Um, we're actually um, we're open source with an asterisk. Um, we do have a, a license restriction that uh, prevents uh, prevents using CockroachDB Core in a commercial database as a service. But for any other purpose, you can use it, uh, download it, and use it uh, use it for free as, uh, as much as you want. Source is all there. You can modify it, recompile it, whatever. Um, and then we also have CockroachDB Enterprise, which adds uh, adds additional features um, for a uh, for, for a com- uh, for a licensing fee. Um, and this includes features like um, like uh, geo partitioning um, and other features that are especially useful in geographically distributed deployments. Um, it includes change data capture for streaming um, changes from the database out to uh, Apache Kafka and from there into other uh, other parts of your of your company's data systems. Um, and also um, integrations with uh, with single sign on and other uh, other things that may be uh, may be important in uh, in corporate environments. Um, so th- those are our two uh, self-hosted uh, options for CockroachDB. And then in the cloud, we also have two options. Um, here we have uh, CockroachDB Dedicated, uh, which is um, s- similar. It's essentially equivalent to what you would get in the uh, in the self-hosted product where we just run, um, you know, you get dedicated VMs in a totally isolated environment running um, CockroachDB Enterprise just for you. Um, and so that's our that that's kind of our, our premium cloud offering since it gets you all of the uh, all the, you know all the all the best experience you could have from from hosting yourself except we do it for you. Um, and then we have uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, CockroachDB Serverless, um, which is the um, kind of the entry level product um, which is currently in beta, but it lets you um, lets you run um, a very small. Uh, run on a small scale and then grow out uh, as you need to. This is um, implemented as um, uh, one or more large uh, CockroachDB clusters run by uh, run by Cockroach Labs, and then um, a separate uh, front end process per uh, per customer cluster, which gives you um, gives you access to a slice of the resources on the uh, on the back end cluster. And so this is how we're able to uh, keep the operating costs low enough that we can offer a, a generous free tier um, in the uh, in the serverless product, and uh, and then you can uh, can scale up and and uh, pay as you go from there. So I guess the interesting thing, you, you know, from a, from evolution of databases um, is if you know you've got your single monolithic database running on your own um, hardware, you know, which is where I started in the industry, and, and probably you too, you know. Um, and you're responsible. I was a DBA for a long time. You're responsible for every aspect of that operation. And then, you know, incrementally you move into the cloud where you're less responsible for sort of like a little bit of the hardware. And then you get to a cloud system in which the scaling is sort of managed for you. So a lot of your DBA tasks are gone, backup tasks are gone. And then you get to serverless. Um, and where, you know, amazingly just about all the tasks are gone, you know, like as long as, the implementation is good at the back end, it will scale for me uh, as my demand grows and I don't even have to lift a finger. You know, I just have to, I guess I have to lift a credit card, but that's that's all. And um, uh, it's uh, it's a very attractive option, I think. Um, and uh, you guys have, have pulled it off so far as I can tell 
very well, right? You know, like the experience, I haven't run a serverless at scale yet, but um, there's a few cases I imagine where you're a sort of like a, a very large organization where you'd want a dedicated cluster so you could be sure that, you know, you had control over exactly how much resources you were applying, that you could be really prepared for spikes in load and stuff like that. But for your average application, I can't imagine that serverless isn't the, isn't the future way that um, almost everyone will consume database services because it's just eliminates so much of the human cost of um, using a database. It's, it's very, it's a very exciting move. You know, CockroachDB is one of a couple of companies that are offering truly serverless um, options for, for consuming databases. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's well worth checking out. And, you know, I'll just say my personal opinion, if you're going to get started with CockroachDB, um, as a developer, you can either sort of like do, if you're on a Mac, brew install or, you know, if you're something similar if you're on Linux. But, you know, the, the serverless option um, makes a lot of sense and it's just as easy to get started with. Um, and, um, you know, that's the way I prefer to, to, to work with it at, at the moment, having sort of like, you know, gone through the ringer. Um, with you writing the book, you know, experiencing all of the um, the overhead of running a self-hosted cluster, um, you know, there's a lot to be, you know, it's a lot of fun setting up clusters uh, if your that if your mind works that way, but um, but it's not productive to to be trying to replicate the um, the expertise that the cockroach team have at, at the back end. So anyway, that's a little bit of a sort of like an ad for serverless, you know, no charge for that, Ben. Um, <coughs> Uh, so, um, one other thing I'm interested in, um, as someone who sort of like hangs around databases a lot is the sort of like the perennial split between the operational databases and, um, the analytic databases. Um, so for a while, um, uh, we sort of had one size fits all databases, you know, up until about 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, data warehouses, there were some specialised data warehouses, but there were also sort of people running data warehouses on Oracle, um, SQL Server, Oracle and SQL Server were used as operational systems as well. Um, and, you know, we had this sort of period where SQL went out of fashion and now SQL's definitely back in fashion. Uh, but we've still got this split between um, operational and analytic. And, you know, in the modern world, I'd say that that split is most, um, it's sort of like best illustrated by Snowflake DB, which just recently had one of the largest software IPOs of all time. I think it actually is technically the largest software um, IPO of all time, which is an analytic database running in the cloud, fully supports SQL. And then we've got um, operational SQL distributed databases, CockroachDB being the sort of probably flagship representative of that class of database. But they've they've split, you know, there's sort of, um, we, we have different um, workloads that each are sort of like optimised for. They both can do a bit of each other's sort of processing, but they're clearly optimised for one or the other. Do you think those two worlds are going to sort of pull back together at any time soon or do you think we're, for the time being, um, you, you want to choose a different platform for when you're analysing data than for when you're sort of like doing high-speed transactional processing of data? Yeah, so I think this uh, that this division is going to continue to evolve. I mean, it's not it's it's already it's not a, a bright line between the two classes of applications. This is this is uh, this is something that we saw um, early on um, when we were developing CockroachDB. We wanted to be very um, but very explicit, telling people, um, you know, just as I said that we you know early versions of CockroachDB had warnings not to do too much with joins. 
Um, you know, even after that limitation was lifted, we, you know, we continue to tell people that, well, we're not an analytics database, um, you know, don't expect us to be able to, you know, be best in class performance at these analytics types of queries. Um, but, you know, as a, as a database vendor, you know, this is, uh, you know, yes, transactional databases and analytics databases are a different category. Um, to a customer, it's not that clear. Um, some customers are very rigorous about separating their analytics off into separate systems. Other, others are not. They'll just run their, you know, analytics style uh, queries on their um, on their main uh, on their main database. And so, you know, there's still an expectation that those things will work uh, will work reasonably well. Um, and so we've you know done our best to um, to try and do uh, to try and do that kind of um, that kind of query the, the best we can. Um, but you know when it comes right down to it, the uh, the kinds of technologies that you want um, for analytics processing um, are very uh, very different from what you want for transactional processing. For transactional processing, you want uh, for example row oriented storage, while uh, analytics tends to want uh, columnar uh, storage. Um, now that said, even though the technologies may be different, you may have a single database product that provides both. I think that uh, you know there's uh, there's definitely a possible future in which um, you know CockroachDB replicates all of your data uh, multiple ways anyway. Um, it, you know if it would uh, if Cockroach could keep uh, some of those uh, record some of those replicas in columnar format and some in row format and then send uh, send queries to one or the other depending on um, depending on what that query needs you know that that would be a way to get a uh, to, to get kind of a uh, a best of both worlds under under one roof um, kind of situation so I think there's there's definitely room for evolution like that. Um, but you know the, the history of this industry is uh, is littered with companies that have said, okay, we're going to be the uh, we're going to be the only database solution that you need. We're going to be good at everything, and therefore we don't need to be good about integrating with other kinds of database systems. And you know that has just been demonstrated time and time again to be the uh, to be the height of, of hubris, and uh, you know leads to uh, leads to a fall. So. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to say that you know CockroachDB is is going to be the uh, the, the ultimate unification of uh, of transactional and analytic uh, workloads, but I think I, I do think there's going to be a a continual um, kind of blurring of the lines and uh, and evolving to handle you know more and more kinds of uh, kinds of specially specialized uh, workloads. Yes, yeah. So there are a couple of companies that are trying to do a sort of a hybrid job. Um, and, uh, it seems to me they have to double up on their engineering effort to, to be good at both. And even then, they're definitely, they're usually not the best at either of those two things so that they tend to come into competition. You know, there's, there's usually one of these two requirements, which is the primary one that's the decisive requirement. And they fail at that decisive requirement. Um, you know, it's all very well. As, as yeah. you said, you know, like you've got to, you've got to focus in software engineering. You, you can't afford to sort of like have, too many threads of effort because you'll just end up sort of failing at some of them. And yeah, you have to focus um, kind of on both sides of the of the uh, of the divide. So as the database vendor, we've chosen to focus on um, operational transactional needs, um, but also as a as a as a you know a customer um, of uh, of a database, you have to kind of choose to focus to choose what uh, what areas of your of your data you're going to try and optimize and where you're going to essentially spend your operational budget. Um, so when I said, you know, some companies are just fine running their uh, lightweight analytical queries on CockroachDB, 
Um, get, you know, if you, if you look at it from that company's perspective, if you're a little startup and you're running CockroachDB, you know, are you going to want to set up uh, Kafka and Snowflake and deal with integrating these uh, these three systems? Um, I mean, sure, you, you can get uh, you'll, you'll get a better analytics experience with Snowflake than you will with uh, with CockroachDB today. But it's a much higher operational cost just to have to deal with that many different moving parts. And so that's uh, that's another factor that I, I think that, um, you, you know, you have, to, you have to kind of pick your battles and decide when you're going to um, to spend that operational complexity. And I think that when you look at the amount of money that uh, that some companies, um, get, you know, your larger enterprises spend on data of all kinds. Yeah, it makes sense there to um, to really optimize and make sure that you're getting best in class uh, performance for every um, every kind of subcategory of, of data. Um, if you're not operating at that scale, then that's that's when the uh, the more hybrid solutions are appealing, um, even if they're not individually best in class at any particular task. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You always, you know, data's never just there to be processed. There's always some analytic um, reporting or similar function. And in CockroachDB, for, for people who aren't familiar with it, um, one sort of thing I learned while um, participating on the book is that uh, when you're wanting to read large amounts of data from Cockroach, you can um, use the as of system time clause to read it from a snapshot that avoids all of the transactional consistency overhead um, uh, and which results in a sort of like a much um, better outcome because otherwise CockroachDB will um, actually, I might, I might be able to, about to mangle this, um, Ben, but uh, CockroachDB will try to give you an absolutely consistent view of the database as it is right now and if there are concurrent work going on, then CockroachDB may continuously sort of like bump that statement um, to try and sort of get the most recent data. But if you say as of system time, you know, five seconds ago, um, it can just sort of like ignore all that and just go with the MVC, MVCC snapshots that are sort of like um, uh, consistent but not absolutely up to date. That's one of the interesting things about um, CockroachDB, that the use of that clause to optimise your processing is something that's, I think, fairly unique to Cockroach, at least something I haven't seen in other databases, but it's an important sort of technique. It's a bit nuanced, but it's uh, an important way to sort of optimise processing. Yeah, this uh, th this particular um, technique, this is the as of system, as of system time clause, um, which we informally call the time travel clause. Um, to let you run a query as of you know five seconds or ten seconds ago, um, that particular feature, um, as far as I know, is unique to uh, to CockroachDB. Um, but a lot of what you can do with it is similar to what you can do in other systems using um, using uh, marking the transaction as as read only. Um, so it's common in a lot of systems. Um, if you uh, if you mark a transaction as read only, maybe that sends it to a read only replica instead of to the primary. Right. Um, and that is kind of functionally equivalent or functionally similar to what uh, to, to what you're getting with the um, with the as of system time clause. Um, the nice thing about the as of system time clause is that, um, especially with um, with the new feature that we just introduced called uh, called bounded staleness, um, where you can say uh, say give me the latest data you have um, as long as it's no more than ten seconds old. Um, for example, that would uh, that would let it uh, send your query to. Um, to, to the physically nearest replica to you, get whatever data it has. Um, but if it sees that that replica happens to be really far behind for some reason, then it will fall back to getting uh, getting fresher data from a remote replica. Yeah. And so it gives you a way to fine tune um, exactly how much uh, exactly how much uh, stale data you're willing to uh, to tolerate for your for your application. Yeah. As a system, time is awesome too because it lets you do um, a sort of like a get out of jail free card type thing for. Um, 
uh, screw ups. Um, you can sort of delete all the rows out of the table and, oh, whoops. And then you can just use as of system time to, to get them back. And you can even do a backup, um, of the database yep. after you've ruined it. Um, which I just, I, I, if I'd had that when I was a sort of a young DBA, uh, how much easier my life would have been. But, uh, that's another story. Yeah. yeah. This, this is, this is one of the features that, uh, that blows people's minds when they, uh, when they first see it. What are the other things in CockroachDB that, um, developers, you know, should know about? Or if you sort of wanted to let people know a few things that, uh, you, they might not know about that would help them in their life, what, what would they be? We have these multi-region features um, for uh, running uh, running a database distributed across multiple uh, physical locations, and uh, in that, as a part of that feature set, you have the ability to mark um, mark tables as either global or uh, or regional. And the uh, the way that global tables work is um, is actually really uh, really neat. There's a lot of magic under the hood, but um, a glo- when you write to a global table, it actually it effectively writes to that table kind of as of system time in the future instead of the normal uses of as of system time to write into the past. And so the write goes uh, goes into the future and then it doesn't, uh, you know, and then, and then it kind of takes effect when uh, when t- real time catches up with, uh, with when the, uh, when the write was scheduled to happen. And so that, um, that, that gives you, so, so as we mentioned, as of system time as a way to make, um, to, as one way to make read queries not interfere with writes. Um, this is another way you can have, um, instead of pushing your reads into the past, you can let your reads stay at the present and push your writes into the future. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, I guess we're coming towards the last part of the uh, conversation. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the book. For, for people who've read O'Reilly Definitive Guides, I don't think um, you, you'd be surprised at the kind of layout of the book. It tells you everything that you need to know to run CockroachDB locally um, in the cloud. Uh, sort of reference to the SQL language, um, programming practices, a lot of stuff for administering if you're administering on-prem and for that matter if you're administering in the cloud. But there's, as we talked before, there's a lot less. Ben, what would you say to someone who's sort of looking at the book, thinking about getting it? What, what do you think the book sort of offers that um, isn't there in the documentation? Because the documentation for CockroachDB is pretty good. So um, what's the role of, of technical books in today's sort of online age? Uh yeah, gee, that's a that's a, a <laughs> tough question. question because there's a lot of there, isn't one? No one. Right, arcs are very good, and they're uh, and they're always uh, always getting better. Um, so it's uh, it is a it is a tricky uh, a tricky question to answer. But I think the the, the big thing that a uh, that that a, a book has that uh, most online documentation doesn't is uh, is just a kind of uh, a kind of linear flow. Um, like you can't uh, you, you can't very well go to the CockroachDB website and uh, and read through you know read through all of our docs in order, um, but you can get, you know go to the go to the book and you can fit, you know identify the section that you want um, whether that's kind of the the introduction or the the deep dive into CockroachDB architecture or you know we have a we have a run of uh, a run of chapters for the application developer and a separate run of chapters for a database administrator. Um, you can pick up the uh, the section that uh, that kind of fits your needs and read that uh, read that straight through and get pretty uh, pretty comprehensive coverage. Um, which is a little a little harder to do in uh, in most online documentation. It's harder to figure out which uh, which parts you need to which parts you need to read and and when you can be sort of done. Um, yeah. you know that's that's the big thing that's missing. That there's you know the online documentation never ends. You can always find more, but uh, but with uh, with a book you have a you know at least a reasonable estimation of you know what's what what the important part is and then when you when you've finished that uh that that much then you know you're in a pretty good place yeah 
Yeah, I'd agree. I think this is more for, you know, you want to learn the, the core techniques and we tried hard to future-proof it by not bogging down in the sort of like the latest syntax. Um, but uh, it, it sort of like runs you through what you need to know um, in a sort of like a, a, a sort of like a well-organized manner. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I've bought a lot of technical books and, um, uh, you know, when I started, the technical book was there because there was no internet. And so I had Unix in a nutshell, so I could look up Unix syntax commands. That's not the role of books today. It's more, I think, um, you want to sort of like fast track yourself into a new technology and the book has all the information collated, curated and presented in a nice way for you to, to master the topic in the minimum amount of time. And I think that's what I'd, I'd recommend, uh, why I'd recommend people get it. Um, so, um, Ben, have you got any, um, have you got any questions you'd like to ask me as, as, as co-author or, um, we're, we're just wrapping up, um, anything you'd like to say that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, you know, I, I come to this as uh, as a founder of uh, of the Cockroach DB project and uh, and company, and so I I, have, I very much an, an insider's view on how all of this works. Um, but uh, I'm curious to get your your perspective as uh, as a, as a, an outsider um, coming to Cockroach DB for the first time, uh, you know, for the purposes of this uh, of this project. Um, do you have any uh, any comments about um, about uh, you know Cockroach DB from that perspective? Anything that surprised you, whether it was uh, whether it was good or uh, good or bad? Yeah, uh, yeah. So just to sort of put that in a bit of context, I've been working with databases since the eighties and, um, you know, I'd spent a lot of time with Oracle, MySQL, um, fair bit of time with MongoDB over the past few years. Um, and I'm a real sort of fan of databases. I don't really care what sort of model they have or, you know, whether they're simple or complex, you know, I'm, I'm generally sort of like, like them for what's good and sort of try and gloss over what's, what's not so good. Um, I was really um, happy to see CockroachDB emerge as a leader because um, it was pretty obvious that uh, the SQL language had been thrown out um, of products like Cassandra and others, you know, not because there was anything wrong with it, but because it was associated with strict transactions, which these the founders thought needed to be discarded in order to achieve some availability and performance goals. And so... Um, I was happy to see SQL make a resurgence and, um, and uh, I was even more happy to see th that I could come back to a, a modern database that was respecting consistency um, and transactional integrity because anyone who's worked with um, non-transactional systems knows you can get things done, but you have to write an enormous amount of code just to protect yourself against um, inconsistencies, you know, you read, you, you don't know for sure that you're going to read your own right, or you don't know for sure that something that you've, you've written is even, even going to persist in the database. And that makes for a lot of fragility in code. And so you have to have extra testing and redundancy and so forth. And that sort of stuff stripped away, um, uh, with Cockroach DB. Um, and, um, uh, and I was very impressed with, um, uh, how easy it was to get started with. It's not a, it, it is a very sophisticated, so I was impressed on two. That was one, I was, I was impressed with what you guys have achieved over a relatively short period of time in terms of having a sort of an architecture that's best in class for distributed systems. Um, and at the same time, I was impressed with how easy it was for me to get started. So the fact that it was Postgres compatible meant that I didn't have to learn 
you know, really any sort of like new programming paradigms or very few anyway. Um, the SQL language was complete. There weren't sort of like big missing chunks of SQL that I had to sort of work around. Um, so I could, I could just, I could hit the ground running developing an application. Um, and at the same time, I had this sort of like very sophisticated scalable thing behind me that was, um, uh, you know, ready to go anywhere. And so, you know, I mean, I know it sounds a little bit like um, congratulating myself on having, you know, collaborated with you on the book, but um, I, am a, I'm a, I am an outsider. I've worked with all the different database or a lot of different database platforms, and I think um, CockroachDB is a fantastic achievement. You should be very proud of it, um, and I think it's only, you know, going to get better. I, I'd like to think we did a good job with the book. If you're wanting to get started with CockroachDB, um, you check out the book. You can have a look at it at the O'Reilly website. Uh, I'm not sure when this um, podcast will drop. It will probably drop around about the time the book is fully available. Um, but if not, you can pre-order and you can um, look at the early adopter version, which contains pretty much the first half of the book, which is the developer stuff, getting started, installing, um, you know, SQL language features and things like that. So um, probably, um, you know, by the time you've consumed that early adopter bit, um, the rest of the book will be available. Um, you can visit the Cockroach Labs uh, website to get a um, free CockroachDB serverless account if you want to play around or you can download it using the sort of typical download things like Brew or AppGet on Linux. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sorry, I, 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 I rambled away from your question into a sort of a, a, a wrap up, but um, I've really enjoyed work. I really enjoyed working on the book. Um, you know, writing books is not sort of like um, necessarily a, a sort of a lucrative um, a financial thing, but it is a great way to, to learn, you know, about a new technology and I'm all about learning. Um, so really enjoyed working with you on the book, Ben, and, you know, I recommend it to anyone who's interested in CockroachDB. It's a pleasure working with you. Yeah, thank you. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure working with you as well. Um, I also want to uh, recognize, take a moment to recognize here our, our third uh, co-author, uh, Jesse Seldes, who's uh, not uh, not with us on the podcast today, but he, uh, he also um, worked very hard with us on this uh, on this book over the over the course of the last year. Absolutely. And, and Jesse is responsible for the excellent online documentation um, and educational um, content uh, at Cockroach um, Labs website. So, um, you know, we couldn't have done it without him, that's for sure. Okay, well, that's a wrap, I guess. Um, thanks, Ben. Um, <laughs> uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, and um, thank you guys for attending um, the podcast and um, let us know what you think. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GoTo Podcast. Head over to gotopia.tech to discover lots more content from the brightest minds in software development. 